It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Listening, everybody, it's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, Mark Thiessen. I come to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around uh, the world. The President of the United States is going to continue to try to sell his plan, uh, I don't know, on reconciliation while inflation rises and his approval ratings dip in a way that I don't even think Donald Trump, even during the heart of the Russia uh, hoax and that long investigation, uh, even all that, it's never fallen like this so soon, so quickly. I've never seen anything like that happen. We'll discuss it all. Uh, Plus, it's a big day because it's the birthday of Fox. Soon after, we'd have Fox News Radio. Tony Snow will be hosting this show. But 25 years since the Fox brand came out of nowhere with no nighttime news, with no, um, for example, when MSNBC goes to spin out the MSNBC, you have NBC News, CNN, 24-hour news, where to start in the 1980s, I guess, or 70s, when cable first arrived. But there was no news organization here and it's been number one for the last 19 years in news and maybe for the last seven or eight years in all of cable. Pretty amazing. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. This is a Fox News update, a big announcement from the man who owns Fox Television. Rupert Murdoch is launching a 24-hour cable news channel. The appetite for news, particularly news that explains to people how it affects them, I really believe it's expanding enormously. Uh, he's right. Rupert Murdoch, 25 years ago, talking about what he hoped Fox News would become. And I think it may have exceeded all expectation. What makes you watch? What makes you listen? Why did you stick around? Let me know. There's no bad answer, just your answer. Number two. I think it's going to get worse. If we get a cold winter, we've already seen a spike in natural gas prices. If they go up a lot more, you're all going to feel it. Heating your home, even getting goods to the factory, heating the business, it's all going to go up. This winter could be a real spike in knowledge. And that is something that goes beyond any political party. It affects your pocketbook. It affects your shopping. It affects what's in your closet and in your oven, paying the price. The average family is spending an extra 175 bucks thanks to a rising inflation and supply line jams. At the same time, Dems try to rationalize a massive party line spending bill. Is this the one of the reasons why President Biden's poll numbers are plunging? Perhaps, yes. Number one. Right now, everyone from the Proud Boys to the Oath Keepers to QAnon influencers are trying to encourage their their members, their followers, their maniacs to show up at school board hearings. Conservatives manufactured outrage over masks and history lessons, took our school boards hostage like a bunch of screaming maniacs. Unbelievable, right? Uh, That's what they really perceive moms and dads to be doing when they show up at school board meetings. Parents asserting influence in their kids' academic lives might just get them arrested. That's the new DOJ push to squelch and stifle the dissent. We are all seeing directed at school boards across the country. CRT, masks, and vaccine mandates have emotions running high, and Republican lawmakers are uh, pushing back in a big way. I'm not kidding. A memo goes out from the Department of Justice, and we discussed a little bit yesterday. It goes out of the Department of Justice to say, let's crack down on these uh, these school board meetings because they are turning into domestic terrorists. And people are uh, school board members are feeling threatened. And evidently there's a union with school boards across the country. And that union pushed on the DOJ and the DOJ says, yeah, if this continues, I'm going to actually they're going to start getting the FBI involved. 
So when Mr. and Mrs. Donovan or Johnson show up because their kid is learning about transgender in first grade or they're learning how bad and racist America is in fourth grade and they show up at a school board meeting and if they get a little emotional, they could go to jail. I'm not kidding. That is so outrageous to say and think of that we thought that we should bring you some of this outrage. The outrage that you feel is just that fact that I said this is stopping people from going to school boards because you're saying, well, you know, I'm a single parent or I'm a middle class person. I can't afford to go get a lawyer to beat the rap of being charged with terrorism for showing up at a school board meeting to go to bat for my kids. So I'm probably not going to go. So in a way, it's working. And in a way, it's great to have some lawmakers who see how wrong it is. Kristen Clark is the assistant attorney general. She went up to Capitol Hill to try to explain herself. Here's she, She's being pressed by Senator Blackburn and Senator Cruz. Cut one. We do not want intimidation in our society. So it would concern you if there was an exercise against an individual's free speech, correct? The First Amendment is important, and we also do not want a society with intimidation. Do they have civil rights that the voting rights gives a damn about? Yet they have the right to express their view, to uh, challenge uh, the school boards, to ask. And, and is it beneficial for the attorney general to label them as d- domestic terrorists and direct the FBI to target them? The attorney general's memo deals with threats against public servants. Yeah, not threats. But if you raise your voice because you care, that's called every day in America. If you show passion and frustration, is that going to be judged I believe they're threatening me. I feel threatened. I will call the cops who will call the FBI. And are you going to get Mr. and Mrs. Middle class, working class, even upper class, get caught up in some legal maneuvers for the next four or five years? Then you got to go get a lawyer or continue to plead your case and hop on news shows and hope you're not going to get ramrodded like the lieutenant colonel, a marine colonel that was in the brig for a week because he spoke up against the horrible exit from Afghanistan. Is this going to be the mini blowback pushback from a administration that wants to intimidate you? Unbelievable that give and take that we just showed you. And I think you're very fortunate to have uh, – very tough lawmakers who realize how wrong this is. Here's a little more from that give and take. Cut to. Do you believe it's appropriate to treat parents as domestic terrorists for daring to ask elected school board members questions about what is being taught to their children? Um, Senator, while this is not a matter that the Civil Rights Division handled, this is a a memorandum issued by the Attorney General. Uh, I know that the Department is committed to ensuring robust civil discourse. Do you see any difference in somebody being a concerned parent and going to a school board meeting and asking questions and then that individual being labeled a domestic terrorist and this being carried out by the FBI and the DOJ, is that not a problem or a concern to you? The um, Attorney General's memorandum is focused on, on threats, on intimidation. So do you see parents as a threat? I, do you I see don't. Parent- right. Uh, the problem is perception. If a school board member feels threatened because they can't overcome the dialogue they're getting, the challenges they're receiving, and they get a call. They say, listen, I feel threatened. Some of that words can be interpreted as I'm worried about my welfare. I'm worried about the walk and drive home. I'm worried about my kid. So the next thing you know, you call the cops 
and the, the cops call the FBI, and the FBI does an investigation and turns your life upside down. Believe me, this happens, and that memo allows it to happen. But just goes to show you, and I think it all relates to Fox's 25th birthday today, and the fact is no, no cable channel in history has ever been so successful, and nobody's had much more loyal fans and supporters than Fox. This is why. Because look what's on the other channels. This idiocy and this ridiculous analysis cut for. In a version of America where school board meetings have become the new culture war battlegrounds with children caught in the crosshairs, sometimes literally and sometimes figuratively. Right now, everyone from the Proud Boys to the Oath Keepers to QAnon influencers are trying to encourage their, their members, their followers, their maniacs to show up at school board hearings. Some behavior is so bad, it's being compared to domestic terrorism. This becomes a security crisis in a sense for the nation. How one Republican senator is pretending school board harassment and intimidation aren't off the charts. Similar tactics to what happened on January 6th that now are being turned against school boards nationwide in a trend that's really disturbing and sinister. Conservatives manufactured outrage over masks and history lessons, took our school boards hostage like a bunch of screaming maniacs. Okay. Nothing is manufactured. All of it is organic and real. We watched it in Loudoun County, Virginia. I've known some of the people that are there. They could not believe what they were seeing. They could not believe the curriculum their kids were uh, forced to deal with and study. A lot of it because it came over Zoom and you could overhear it. And then the more you looked at it, the worse it got and CRT and where it went from there. Nothing is manufactured. Republicans aren't taking advantage, advantage, but they are noticing what people care about. And it just so happens it crosses the line. I would love to see Democrats just as upset. And I would not doubt that some of these men and women that show up are Democrats and won't make a big deal of it because they don't want to be bucking their party philosophy. But their parents first. And they got to be alarmed by this. And for them to analyze this as manufactured and QAnon and Proud Boys is simply unbelievably ridiculous and stupid. And I don't think neither one, either one of them are. I think they're panicking. They have a president that reportedly got 80 million votes and now can't get 40 percent approval rating. And he's only nine months in. And almost everything, everything is self-inflicted from Afghanistan to the border to this reconciliation package after getting $1.9 trillion, we didn't even need to begin with. When we come back, your calls one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. 1-866-408-7669. I'll take your calls. Also, if you want to write me, BrianKilmead.com, uh, just go to the website. Also, pretty excited. The book is in. First time I'm seeing it is just now. The President and Freedom Fighter, it's finally off the presses. Not easy to get this done with everything going on with manufacturing today. Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and their battle to save America's soul. It's going to be out November 2nd. You can download it now. And we have a lot of autographed copies you can get. We signed thousands, uh, my, my witnesses here in radio, thousands uh, over through the summer. Uh, so I hopefully we'll do that. Also, if you want to see me on the road on stage talking about all the history books, winning the war in history, go to BrianKilmead.com. And just click on events, you'll see it there. And I'm going to be in Ponte Vedra, December 3rd, Clearwater, December 4th, November 7th in Charleston, West Virginia, and on the 21st um, in Orlando. So just go grab tickets. Ponte Vedra is almost sold out. Maybe you might want to try Orlando. There's some tickets there if you do uh, get pushback. Thanks so much for being here. Your call's next on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Getting past all the rhetoric, it's Brian Kilmeade. 
From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. This is just insane. And a lot of this stuff, look, school boards are at the forefront of some of the most contentious issues in America today. Critical race theory, COVID policy with masking and so forth, affirmative action, you know, to some of our elite public schools. There's a lot of issues. And the left seems intent on labeling anyone who disagrees with them, an insurrectionist or a terrorist or a white supremacist. And I I think people are tired of it. I do. And that's what's so heartening that even though CNN, even SNL will not take on this president and his ridiculous policies, the unorganized way in which they're approaching everything from Afghanistan to even the reconciliation bill, they didn't even start dealing with what Joe Manchin offered them in August. They were surprised in September, and they had no, they had a number to deal with. They didn't even start it. Then the ambassador recalled to from France. Remember, an ambassador of France France called recalls their ambassador to the U.S. Maybe first time in history because of this nuclear sub thing that John Kerry said the president knew nothing about because Australia chose to buy better nuclear subs from us than the ones they were contracted to buy from France, caused this huge rift. He, he's alienating our allies. He's allowing uh, Taiwan to be intimidated, refusing to sell them the, uh, the armaments they need to preserve their, their independence from mainland China. We've stopped protesting the, the abuse of uh, Muslim Uyghurs in China, buying products again with slave labor. So the president's approval rating, all this, 38%. 53% uh, disapprove, 38% approve. That is hideous. Do you approve or not of Joe Biden's handling of the response to the coronavirus? That was his highest marks. Now down to 48%. Why? Because we passed 700,000 deaths. And he was upset when Donald Trump hit 200,000. He said nobody that allows 200,000 people to die deserves another four years in the, in the, White, House, in the White House. That's what he said at the debate. What about 700,000? Hey, Brandon, you're in Minnesota. What's on your mind? Morning, Brian. Thanks for calling. What's on your mind? 
I have a question regarding uh, parents getting charged with uh, domestic terrorism when they get emotional at a school at a school board debate. Uh, what are we going to start doing when uh, President Biden threatens us to get out of the way during a speech or yeah. somebody on the floor of Congress gets emotional? Are we going to charge them with domestic terrorism? Well, that would be. That's my biggest worry. The perception of a school board member who calls the authorities. Now the memo gives the authorities the ability to call the FBI. The FBI just doing an investigation, Brandon, is going to cost them money and time away from their kids, which is the exact reason why they took time away to show up at a school board meeting, because they care about their kids. So what's going to happen? People are going to stay home. That's my fear. Harold, listen on WPTF in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hey, Harold. Good morning, sir. I just watched the um, assistant attorney general state that any threat against a public official, the FBI will investigate. Then what do you call executing police officers? How many cops have been shot? Are they going after these people? Nope. Is the DOJ going after them? Nope. That's the, that's the ultimate, ultimate disrespect when you execute an officer. A little loud, a couple of loud people at a parents' meeting and the, the FBI's got get my tax dollars for that nonsense? You want to if you're worried about that because you're 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 having this anti-American history curriculum. If you're worried about that because you don't want your second your your second grader learning about transgender fluidity or whatever you call it. If you're worried about that and you pull a cop in, you, they're always looking for extra money. You put a, a police officer there. That's what we're used to at events. They put them into basketball games, rivalry games in football. We're used to a police presence. But to call the FBI and label people a terrorist is nuts. Thanks so much for the call. Here's what Rand Paul said last night. Cut seven. I would say be afraid. Be afraid of your government. And that's a a sad thing from someone in the government to say. But the thing is, is those lists already exist. For example, people in Northern Virginia that have gone to have been then sought out by the school council, by the members of the school board, and retaliated in a sort of legalistic way to try to put them on some sort of list and, and chill their speech by letting them know there'll be a penalty for showing up and protesting. Look, there are all kinds of laws about decorum, and there ought to be. You know, the, the idiot woman that goes in the bathroom filming Center Cinema in a bathroom, that is illegal according to every local ordinance, and you should punish it. Punish that person. If you go to a school... Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. School board meeting and you're disruptive and you don't obey the rules of the school board meeting, then there will be local punishment. But it has nothing to do with the federal law, has nothing to do with the Department of Justice. And that and that's when he said, I mean, for him to open up, say, be scared of the government. And he's trying to say, I could emotionally, uh, I could try to protect you. I could go question the people that write these memos. They're going to call the attorney general in shortly. But Merrick Garland and his deputies are going to do their own thing. And there's only so much your senator can do to stop it, except for to spotlight it, which we're trying to do, too. I would say, whatever you do, keep going to the meetings, roll tape on your meetings, and keep your cool. 
whatever you do, do not give them a reason to say out of control, too emotional. I'm going to stop listening. I am scared for my welfare. Nope. Sid, you buckle up, you go down, you say exactly what is wrong, you write down your comments ahead of time, you read them off your phone or off a paper, and you tape it so you they could see that you're not a threat, which they actually know. We just got to build your case before you're charged. Mark Thiessen is next. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Two people do not have the right to sabotage what 48 want and what the President of the United States want. That, to me, is wrong. That is Bernie Sanders saying that it's just wrong for a Kirsten Cinema and moderate Democrat Senator Manchin to hold up 48 other Democrats. Really? So they shouldn't vote their conscience. They should not represent their people. They should not be, in my view, responsible. They should agree with you, Bernie Sanders, a, a, a socialist who caucuses with the Democrats who didn't get the nomination because of his crazy views, and now suddenly these liberal views are going to be part of a reconciliation package and a green push like we've never seen in our lifetime, despite the rise in inflation, despite the huge amount of debt. Mark Thiessen joins us now, former political speechwriter for George W. Bush, Fox News contributor, Washington Post columnist. Uh, Mark, how dare they hold up, those two senators hold up this reconciliation package? Well, first of all, listen to what Bernie Sanders just said there. 48, he considers 48 people a majority. It's a joke. I mean, it's, it's basic math. What, what that means is that 52%, 52 senators oppose the plan, 48 support it, so therefore it loses. I mean, what, what is hard about this? And, you know, this is, this is the thing that the Democrats don't seem to understand, is that they're exceeding their mandate. They, the, 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 the voters gave them a 50-50 Senate and a three-vote majority in the House. That is not a mandate for socialism. That is a mandate for compromise. That is a mandate that says you people work together and try and get something done. And working together doesn't mean Republicans and conservative Democrats rolling over and giving the left what they want. It means compromising, like, for example, a $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill, right? So the voters gave everybody a mandate to compromise. Republicans met the mandate. 19 Republicans voted for a bipartisan infrastructure bill. They sent it to the House. And the progressives took it hostage unless they get their 3.5, which is really a $5.5 trillion social spending program that will transform our country and insert the government in our lives and and from cradle to grave. And they're saying, we're not going to pass the bipartisan bill if you don't give us this left-wing bill. And so voters are looking at that and saying, that's not what we voted for. (laughs) We didn't give you a mandate to do that. So, you know, the, 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 I don't know. The Republicans, the Republicans have met the mandate. They compromised. And the Democrat, and then the president of the United States goes and sides with the progressives taking the bill hostage. He literally – we now know because of the reporting of the New York Times and Politico that they were actually encouraging the progressives to take the bill hostage. And the president goes up to Capitol Hill. Everyone thinks he's going to urge the progressives to vote for his bill, and he says, no, don't vote for it. Let's wait until we get a deal on the on the on on the massive the massive left wing socialist bill. 
it's it's just I've never seen anything like it in my life. Let me ask you to analyze why. Why wouldn't he push for a win if he's truly a moderate? If Manchin was president right now, I will tell you right now, there's no way he wouldn't have taken the one point two, because he wants the victory. He, yeah. Harold Ford was on was on the five or excuse me on with Brett Baer the other day. He says, "Hey Democrats, take the victory." So exactly. what? What you could sit around and go, "Well, I just did something Donald Trump didn't." I told you I work cross the aisle. Here's some proof that I got 19 Republicans to do something. Instead, he's going to make those Republicans pay the price for going along with them because the others said, if you do this, you're going to be used. And they're going to go, everything you negotiated out is going to be in another package anyway. They said, I doubt it. And now what does it look like, Mark? Well, I mean, there's two reasons. So there's the reason why the progressives are doing it and the reason why Biden's doing it. The reason why Biden is doing it is incompetence. Right. He's he's he the, the re, I mean, this is a guy who if you, just even if you think that you want that you're you're the president and you want the best strategy to get your your rec, a reconciliation bill passed. Right. You've get, you've got basically the progressives in your party saying three point five trillion dollars. You've got Joe Manchin, who has said one point five. That's that's what, that used to be real money, you know, at that. And so you, you've got a path to compromise. And what do you do? You side with the progressives and take hostage the bill that Manchin and Cinema want, and and think that that's going to convince them to go along with your bill. It pushes them further away, especially Cinema, who told the president face to face, "If I don't get a vote by September 27th, I'm not voting for any reconciliation bill." So, I mean, that from the Biden perspective, it's just pure incompetence. It's you know what you've got. So we passed $1.9 trillion in social spending masked as COVID relief already, right? Then you've got a $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill and the prospect of passing $1.5 trillion in social spending that Manchin has said he will support. That's like that's four, four and a half trillion dollars. That's not good enough. You can't you can't pocket that win and declare victory. And then, by the way, they've got they could do another reconciliation bill next year if they want to try to get more. And so, so, so that's why Biden is Biden's just incompetence. For the progressives, they know they're losing control next year. They know that they are going to lose the midterm elections. That at least one house and possibly both will go to the Republicans. And so their view is, you know, we're let's go on a kamikaze mission and get as much of our agenda through as, as possible and pass it because we know. That government is a one-way ratchet. Just look at Obamacare. They did this with Obamacare. It was a kamikaze mission. A whole bunch of Democrats lost their seats. They lost their majority, but they passed Obamacare. And guess what? A decade later, we haven't been able to repeal it. So they know if they just get these programs enacted, they will never go away. Absolutely. And it doesn't matter if they lose power for a little while because that's the difference between the left and the right, right? The left increases the size of government, and so the, it's a one-way ratchet. never goes back. And then Republicans come in for a little while. They can't turn the ratchet back, and then they lose power again. The Democrats turn the ratchet again, and it's over, over cycles of, of decades. They expand the welfare state, and they get their socialism. Mark Thiessen, our guest. Mark, a couple of things. Why is he campaigning now on the reconciliation bill? That thing has been in the works for six months. Why did he wait to the last minute after he got that August memo to Schumer, putting Joe Manchin's mark at 1.5? Why is he negotiating the last hour, spends capital on Friday showing up, and then says, uh, keep these bills together or forget it? Everything was done as if you forgot to study for a, an exam uh, that you knew was coming, and you wonder why you failed. 
It just, to me, I thought with all the experience they'd have, they'd be able to hit their marks. Even if I don't like the content, they're not hitting their marks. And listen to this tone that Joe Biden has, and someone wrote this copy. Listen to this. These bills are not about left versus right or moderate versus progressive or anything that pits Americans against one another. These bills are about competitiveness versus complacency. They're about opportunity versus decay. They're about leading the world or continue to let the world pass us by, which is literally happening. To support these investments is to create a rising America. America is moving. To oppose these investments is to be complicit in America's decline. Oh, thanks. So we got to spend more than we've ever spent before to stop America from declining. When $1.9 trillion that you got in March is still not out the door yet. I mean, he goes to Michigan to say something uh, like that. Is that going to help? No, it's not going to help. I mean, look, he's saying he's trying to make the best arguments he can because the bills aren't popular. Spending this much money is not po- popular. Um, you know, and, and so he, he's making the best, best argument he can. But I mean, the idea that government spending is going to stop American decline. I mean, if you just look at like our labor participation rate in this country is already in like the 60s. It's way below what it ought to be. If you look at Europe, which is what he's basically trying to turn America into, the labor participation rates are in the 40s or 50s. Like half the half the half the people in Europe don't work. Right. And and that's what will happen if we pass all this cradle to grave social spending. You're going to have uh, fewer people in the workforce, and that means less productivity. That means less competitiveness. That means le- the le- a slower growing economy. So this is actually these these bills are a path to decline. And oh, by the way, inflation, which will lead to a massive tax increase for every single American because we're paying more uh, for everything we buy. So you know this is the the, the bills are a path to uh, to uh, to decline. But he, here's the thing: he doesn't seem to understand. He's got an audience of two people. Right. Yep. He's got an audience of two people What going out and doing these events. You think Joe Manchin looked at that and said, oh, my gosh, I'm 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 I may be complicit in American decline. I better change my position. I think Kristen Sinema saying that. Of course not. What, what he has to do now is go and convince them to vote for his bill. And how do you do that? I mean, he, so remember in June when he threatened to veto his own bill? Yeah. Right. And then two days later, he had to issue this lengthy statement saying the bills are not linked. And I will fight with vigor to, to 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 pass the infrastructure bill. He just broke those two promises to the to the to to Cinema and Mansion, who are the principal sponsors of the infrastructure bill. He linked the bills, and he did, and he told the Democrats not to pass them. So he he's betrayed. He he betrayed. And House, by the way, to her credit, Nancy Pelosi made a promise to pass those bills by September 27th. She was trying to do that, and Biden undermined her. So he betrayed Nancy Pelosi, his own House Speaker. And, and made her look like a fool and incompetent that she can't get the bill passed. He betrayed Kristen Cinema uh, and Joe Manchin by, by linking the bills after explicitly promising in writing not to link them and not, fight, and not fighting for it. And oh, by the way, he, you know, the Republicans are going to probably take over in two years. He just completely destroyed any chance of working across the aisle on anything because he told those Republican senators the bills aren't linked, and then he relinked them. So he made them lie to their colleagues. So, and tell them they're not linked. I know. And that's why they voted for them. Right. Uh, so the, so these moderates could also bail out in this, too. Forget, remember, they could also look at the reconciliation bill and say, I was ignored. I was cast to the side. Our opinions didn't matter. So maybe I'm not yep. going to vote for it. And so they, yep. they got this so-called problem solvers caucus, Gottheimer and company. 
They were promised on the 27th and the 29th and October 1st, and none of it happened. And they said, we're linking them all together. I'll go, I'm going to go campaign for that. We got till Halloween. Did anyone consult the moderates? They just assume they'll be here, be there. But I want you to hear what Joe Manchin said. And I know you've heard it, but I want you to reflect on it. This is what is lacking. Someone just to reaffirm who they are and what they are. And he's like aghast that people don't remember. Listen to Joe Manchin. I've never been. I've never been a liberal in any way, shape, or the form. There's no one has ever thought I was. I've been governor. I've been state secretary of state. I've been state legislature. I've been a U.S. senator. And I have voted pretty consistently all my whole life. I don't fault any of them who believe that they're much more progressive and much more liberal. God bless them. And all they need to do is we have to elect more, I guess, for them to get theirs, elect more liberals. And it's not a Republican talking. That's a moderate Democrat wondering, why are you turning the heat up on me? I'm, I am who I am. So, I mean, if Joe Manchin wasn't the Democrat, Democratic senator from West Virginia, who did they think would be? Bernie Sanders? Yeah. Bernie Sanders clone? West Virginia is a conservative state. It's one of the reddest states in the country. They, they probably it's, – it's an anomaly that they have a Democrat sitting in that, in, in, in that seat. Cinema? She's, she, Arizona is not a left-wing state. They, they, they're not going uh, to. These senators are doing what their constituents said. But this is the problem with the left: is that they're not. They really don't believe in democracy. They're Leninist, right? It's all about the will to power, and so they just. And, and it's all about expanding government, going against the grain of what the what the proletariat wants, and forcing it on them. And then if they lose power temporarily, they'll come back eventually and pick it up where they left off. And so they, they don't care about democracy. You know, if you want to if you want to be a new FDR, elect the FDR, FDR size majorities. If you want to be a new LBJ, elect LBJ size majorities. What did the, all those transformational presidents, left wing presidents have in the, that, that Joe Biden doesn't have? They didn't have a 50 50 Senate. They didn't have a three vote majority in the House. They had super majorities. So you want to do all this stuff over the objections of Republicans? Elect 60 senators. Right. Elect, don't, elect don't get a, on your a, moderates. overwhelming majority. But so, don't beat up on the moderates because they're representing their people. So listen to this. Jeff Gertz, communication director for Cory Brooker, coordinated a joint statement among lawmakers condemning the protesters against cinema, asking senators' offices if they'd be interested in signing and mentioning uh, Booker was open to edits, according to the other people that have seen this memo. Those close to the Arizona senator are saying and fellow lawmakers have been more vocal in condemning the protests more than the president. Cinema says is is unacceptable for activists, organizations to uh, to instruct their members to jeopardize themselves by engaging in unlawful activities such as uh, gaining entry in closed university buildings, ASU, disrupting learning environments and filming them in the in the restroom. Reportedly, she's upset the president hasn't even gone bat to bat and his comments the other day saying basically it comes with the territory. That is not the way to win over Kirsten Cinema. She is not the enemy. She does not deserve to be harassed, nor does anybody. No, it's exactly right. I mean, look, this again, this is where the incompetence comes in. So this is a layup, right? President is asked, you know, what do you think of people following cinema into into the bathroom? And the 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 simple answer is, oh, my gosh, that's horrible. I mean, nobody should yeah. be treated that way. We all have our differences of opinion and all that, that, but nobody should be harassed because of their opinion. And instead, he says, yeah, it's not right, but, you know, that's part of the process. I'm sorry, getting followed into a, into a bathroom stall in the ladies' room is not part of the process. You know, and he also laughs, like, well, you know, if you have Secret Service protection, that doesn't happen to you. You know, so well, ha, how ha, about ha. this, Mark? You know, if it was AOC got followed, 
he would have, he would have called a press conference to condemn those actions. He would, and it would have been about minorities not having rights in America. No, hundred percent. But you know, she, look, again, it's a layup, and he missed it. It's gotcha. so it's so easy. You know, I don't. I just don't understand the, the buyer. I mean, he could end up with nothing, which would be great, by the way. It would be great for the country. <laughs> Mark, uh, his approval rating is at thirty-six percent. I'm heartened because the American people have standards. Uh, Mark, thanks so much. Where where do I get some of that cake? You know, uh, there's, I, 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 you there's only seven cake, feet you don't left. Save a piece for me. <laughs> Twenty-five years. <laughs> we had the biggest cake you've ever seen in your life. We gave it all the state. <laughs> Uh, state uh, police and the Nassau County Police Department. Oh, uh, th- thanks so much, Mark. Go get him, man. Always appreciate <laughs> your insight. Hey, listen, when we come back, your calls one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. We wrap up the hour. Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. All effort has been refocused on expediting the processing speed of the massive amounts of illegal aliens that are coming into the country today. That should matter, because if I can't tell you who crosses through a Nogales or a McAllen or a San Diego, they are going to end up in your community. So in that case, it is fairly open. No, the border's wide open right now. Wide open. The border's wide open right now. And that is Rodney Scott, who's former Border Patrol chief. He was running the thing. He just walked away. He said, that's it. I'm done. I'm finished. He said, I can't do it. I'm not allowed to do my jobs. ICE has been uh, ratcheted back. Uh, my, my staff's been gutted. Now you're going to hit me. Uh, with look out for this. Now they're going to start hitting them with the uh, mandates when it comes to vaccines. And a lot of these men and women are not going to get it. So far, the border is so hideous. It's so out of control. It's so concerning to so many Americans. It's reflected in the Quinnipiac poll. You listen to the show. You know how hard uh, they graded Trump on the Quinnipiac poll. We always would add about five points to it. Now, look at this. When it comes to the border, do you approve or disapprove of the way Joe Biden is handling the immigration issues? You know who approved? 25 percent. Disapprove, 67 percent. Second question, do you approve or disapprove of the way Joe Biden is handling the situation at the Mexican border, meaning the southern border? Approve, 23 percent. Disapprove, 67 percent. I want him to do something. The fact that he won't, that it's hurting his only political fortunes, makes me wonder uh, the level of incompetence or... To him, is it worth it? Is it worth it to flood it with people from other countries for some other reason? I cannot figure it out. But go to BrianKillMe.com. The President of Freedom Fighter is available. I want you to find out where I'll be. Just click on Book Tour. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of the story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to FoxNewsPodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, 1-866-408-7669. I want you to call. We come to you from New York, but heard around the country, heard around the world, and we appreciate each and every one of you. Kind of an interesting day, 25 years since Fox was uh, actually started. It's kind of fun. Also, today is also a big day 
uh, because uh, November 2nd, the book, The President the Freedom Fighter, comes out. It's Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and their battle to save America's soul. And it's been in workbook form, then it was in uncorrected proof form, and today it just came in, or last night came in, I'm seeing it for the first time. It's in regular hardcover, ready to sell, ready to go. I also found out that I'll do one, I'm going to be in Staten Island for the first time, but uh, that's going to be exciting because it's, they're very big supporters of Fox and of history. But I'm going to be on Long Island just one day. Not book review closed on Long Island. It's a famous independent bookstore that hosts presidents from Bush to Clinton and and people more powerful like Mark Levin. And now I'll be at Publican's Restaurant. I'll be there November 3rd, right? November 3rd. Go to BrianKillMe.com. We're going to put it live shortly and get tickets. This way I can personalize it. Instead of standing in a long book line and and doing going out after you can order beers and hang out, kind of like beers and books. To me, it's the perfect a book signing with some entertainment there. So uh, Publicans, which is being portrayed in a movie now uh, by Ben Affleck, produced by George Clooney, uh, based on The Tender Bar. And The Tender Bar is J.R. Mulringer, kind of got grew up, brought up with a lot of the same, uh, a lot of these bartenders and personalities in Manhattan, Long Island. So we're going to go to that uh, restaurant, and they're kind enough to host me for a two- or three-hour event. So that'll be on November 3rd. Just go get tickets. Uh, that'll be shortly. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. This is a Fox News update, a big announcement from the man who owns Fox Television. Rupert Murdoch is launching a 24-hour cable news channel. The appetite for news, particularly news that explains to people how it affects them, I really believe it's expanding enormously. Uh, I think so, too. Uh, That is Rupert Murdoch 25 years ago talking about what he hopes and what he wanted to do at Fox News. Uh, Now, you know, it's been number one in all of cable and in streaming uh, for years, but it's been number one for, I think, 19 years of all of news. Uh, What makes you watch? What makes you listen? Uh, Call in. Number two. I think it's going to get worse. If we get a cold winter, we've already seen a spike in natural gas prices. If they go up a lot more, you're all going to feel it. Heating your home, even getting goods to the factory, heating the business, it's right. all going to go up. This winter could be a real spike in well, inflation. But- wow, and we're already seeing it on the average. $175 is coming out of American, the average American family's budget, judging by some calculus. Uh, if you do shop uh, in a local supermarket, you're gonna, you feel it. You don't need me to say it. How does that affect President Biden's poll numbers? Well, put it this way. He's got 38% approval rating. To me, it has a lot to do with that. Number one. Right now, everyone from the Proud Boys to the Oath Keepers to QAnon influencers are trying to encourage their, their members, their followers, their maniacs to show up at school board hearings. Conservatives manufactured outrage over masks and history lessons, took our school boards hostage like a bunch of screaming maniacs. Yeah, screaming maniacs. Parents, they're the worst. Parents asserting influence on their kids' academic lives, trying to, now they have to risk getting arrested. That's the new DOJ push to squelch and stifle the dissent. We are seeing and directed at school boards across the country, CRT, masks and vaccines are some of the things that have parents acting uh, on their kids' behalf. But now they face jail time. Unbelievable. So I make it makes me wonder what my next guest thinks. But first, uh, he always has outstanding Sunday shows. But Cedric Richmond is a key advisor for the president of the United States. He did all the Sunday shows. The only one who pressed him, Chris Wallace. This piece of legislation costs zero. We're going to pay for it all by 
raising taxes on the very wealthy well, and big corporations, Mr. Richman, which is favored by 70 percent. I've got to stop you there. It doesn't cost zero, whether it's $3.5 trillion or $2 trillion it, it, or $1.5 trillion, whatever. It, it costs that amount of money. Now, you can pay for it either by borrowing it or you can pay for it by raising taxes on corporations and the wealthy, but it doesn't cost zero. At the end of the day, it will cost zero because we're going to pay for it. <laughs> you got him. I don't think he remembered what you, the question was after a while because it was so ridiculous a statement that they were putting out from the White House. Chris Wallace joins us now, anchor of Fox News Sunday, but his best-selling book is still doing extremely well. Countdown, Bin Laden, the untold story of the 247-day hunt to bring the mastermind of 9-11 to justice. Chris, I'm so glad you pressed him on this because it was, it was the most theological Madison Avenue, uh, Madison Avenue term I've ever seen. I have been, good morning, uh, and good morning to your listeners. I've been in Washington <clears throat> for more than 40 years, and this may be the dumbest spin line I've ever heard, that a $3 trillion bill costs nothing because you're going to pay for it. That's, I mean, I don't know. When you bought your last car and you paid for it, did you think, well, I got that for free. That costs nothing. No, you paid for it. So I, you could say, and I don't think actually it'll even this will even be true, that it'll add nothing to the debt, but it certainly costs nothing. It, it doesn't cost nothing. It's not free. It costs whatever it costs. I, I agree, uh, but you were the only one to press him on that. And just to sell us that it's free, why, sh why shouldn't we get everything for free is part of the problem. And the people that are standing in their way, Chris, first off, the way this whole thing transpired, the way that Joe, they were going to have a vote on Monday, then Wednesday, then Thursday, then Friday, then no vote. Now we'll, we don't care. It's probably going to push it to Halloween. Does this remind you of any trajectory over a major, major piece of legislation that you knew of? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, and, and, and that's one reason why as bad and, and as much in disarray as Democrats look right now, all of this may still pass. I yep. mean, it reminds me of Obamacare. And, you know, that went into the next year, went into March of 2010 uh, and ended up really hurting Democrats in the 2010 midterms. So, you, you know, it may pass. Uh, it's it's never uh, it's never pretty. And you know, part of the problem, and I've, I've been asking a lot of Democrats this, is they're trying to govern like FDR with the New Deal or Lyndon Johnson with the Great Society, but they've got <laughs> they've got no vote margin in the Senate and three votes in the House. You know, back back in 1933, uh, and no, I was not alive then because I, I would just want to take that out yep, of your. You got it. <laughs> I, I knew where you were headed. Or in 1965. Uh, the, the Democrats had huge majorities. I think they had in 65. I think I was reading the other day that Lyndon Johnson had 67. He had two thirds of the Senate and 295 of the uh, uh, Democrats in the House. You know, and, and now they're talking about a three vote margin in the House and no vote uh, for error and no margin for error in the Senate. So it's pretty hard to pass uh, this kind of transformational agenda with, with no margin for error. Chris, I know all the moving parts, but at the end of the day, I still don't understand why they didn't do what Harold Ford said and other Democrats. I think it was Chris Coons, too. Take the win. You could honestly have said, I got a bipartisan deal like I promised. I did something Donald Trump didn't do. I got an infrastructure deal. Take the win. And if you want to get some momentum to hold the House and the Senate, you could honestly have something to run on. Instead, 
you you alienated moderates. I don't know how they're going to vote now, but you'll most likely get in line. But they're alienated. And you made 19 Republicans uh, the heat that they feel and the suckers that in many cases they feel like they've been suckered on this. They're getting it from the others in their party. Like, why would you go along with this? Everything you negotiated out is in the package that you negotiated out. Well, I I agree with you, except I'd add one more thing. They should have taken the win back last summer. It was either July or August when the Senate, as you say, passed the bipartisan infrastructure plan with 19 Republicans going along. They should have taken it over to the House. Right away. Because at that point, there was a lot of Republican support, maybe 50 Republicans. So if the if the progressives were going to try to hold it for blackmail as they were and say, no, 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 we're not passing this until we pass the social spending package, uh, I, my guess is they could have gotten enough Republicans on board to pass it anyway. I, they absolutely should have taken the win then when they, it had a lot of momentum. Now Republicans in the House are drifting away. They are being held captive by the, the far left in the Democratic Party in the House, uh, and they can't pass it. Because because the Democrat, the, the, the left wing, the squad is saying we're not going to vote for that unless you give us our big social spending bill, the three and a half or two trillion, whatever it is. Uh, I mean, that's another thing I don't understand. Two trillion dollars in social spending is a ton of money. The idea that that, you know, anybody <laughs> would seriously crazy. say AOC or Jayapal or or uh, Bernie Sanders. Oh, no, I'm not going to take two trillion dollars and when the alternative is zero uh, that's insane it's trending now on twitter by the way chris wallace our guest his book is doing extremely well and so appropriate countdown bin laden the untold story of the 247 day hunt to bring the mastermind of 9 11 to justice uh the other thing that's trending on twitter right now is quinnipiac why would that be not because of the school but because of the poll the poll that tends to be you know very tough on republicans has handed the president a 38% approval rating, and he's, he's hemorrhaging support among independents. He's got 23%, 23% approval on how he's handling the southern border, 25% on how he's handling uh, immigration issues overall. This has got to set off alarm bells inside the White House. Chris, your, your uh, opinion. I, I Absolutely. I mean, it's... Uh... You know, I agree. Quinnipiac, you know, there's some polls that are a little iffy. There are some polls that are rock solid. I think the Fox poll is rock solid, and so is Quinnipiac. And, you know, for them to find 38% approval, I mean, we're in, <laughs> we're in Richard Nixon or Jimmy Carter level. Uh, that's, that's pretty bad. And, you know, we're only eight months into a presidency. This is when presidents are usually at their most popular. But having said that, you take the combination of the debacle getting out of Afghanistan, the debacle – uh, in Del Rio, Texas, uh, you know, the, the failure to pass an, any part of their domestic agenda, you can understand why right. not only uh, Republicans disapprove, but but independents uh, are, are having a second. I, I, there's one number in there. Maybe you can find it. I don't have it in front of me. Just on competence. Forget policy. Competence. Uh, Biden's in real trouble. And, and, and you know, another reason why he desperately needs a win. I mean, boy, could he use a bipartisan infrastructure plan, a signing ceremony at the yeah. White House, sent Republican senators as well as Democrats. I don't think it stops all the bleeding, but maybe, you know, at least puts a Band-Aid on it. And uh, now we're going to go for another month before even the possibility of that happening. It's, it's, uh, it's a tough time in the Biden White House. Fifty-five percent right say that Biden is not competent. Uh, he's not leading the, comp, uh, the, uh, the government in a competent way. 
and he's in his 40s on people that think he's competent. But i got to get your reflection. It's kind of interesting. 25 years since Fox started. The success story is undeniable. You could say whatever you want. Good luck with that. Have at it. But what were you thinking? You, I believe, were at ABC when it launched. Do you remember thinking to yourself, this is going to work, not going to work? How are we going to handle a marketplace with three? Uh, you know, a lot of people aren't watching CNN, period. Why would we need two more? What were you thinking? Well, uh, you know, I, the interesting thing was I was at ABC. Right. And Rune Arledge, who is a, you know, was a broadcast Legend. genius. He was the, the wide world of sports, uh, then ABC News. Uh, he can spend a lot of time and a lot of money and we were owned ABC by Disney at the time. And he came back and said, we're going to lose $50 million a year for 10 years. I, so I basically have to tell Disney that we're going to, you know, just expect to lose half a million, half a billion dollars, uh, for, for over the course of 10 years. And, and ABC did not go ahead with it. I remember sitting with 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 Britt Hume. We went out to the California Pizza Kitchen for lunch. Britt was the chief White House correspondent for ABC, and he said, "Hey, this is in I don't know October, yeah, around October or something of of twenty uh, of I'm sorry, 1996." And said, uh, "I'm going over to Fox," and I thought he was nuts. I mean, I wish I could say I I knew that I thought he was nuts because remember, Fox had tried to do some things like a primetime magazine before they had all failed, uh, but Seven years later, and I was late to it in 2003, uh, I looked and I thought, you know, ABC seemed to be declining and Fox seemed to be growing. And, you know, I, I was watching it, you know, from from nine o'clock in the morning when the morning shows ended until 630 at night. My TV was tuned to Fox. And I thought that's a that would, that's a good place. Its future is ahead of it, not behind it. So uh, I came on over. Uh, I have to say it was already number one. Before I came, so I had very little to do with it. But, uh, you know, it it has become a very important part of the media landscape. And now, 18 years later, even more so. When did did you come over? When did you start at Fox? Started filling in in 96 and got a contract in 97. So so I don't understand. What what were they doing for the first six months? Paying you in peanuts? Mm, uh, Freelancer. So I was filling in for, yeah, basically it's more of a, it's almost a solid sports guy. So I was doing, I was doing the updates in the morning. It was like headline news. And then there was a two hour show in the afternoon from 12, or one hour show, 12 to one. And then Sunday there was a three hour show. And the guy here before me didn't want to work weekends. I go, I'll do that show. And then they say, well, he needs some days off. Could you fill in? I said, yeah, I'll fill in. And then next thing you know, they said, we want you to be the guy. And so I said, uh, how much? I'm only kidding. Uh, then I, I was able to uh, hold on. And when did you join Fox and Friends? Right away. So that was my assignment, really, was to do the sports updates within what was Fox Express. So I would go do an update for three minutes and then go to the green room, come back a half hour later, do an update for three minutes, go to the green room. Then I would be covering different sporting events, doing that noon show. And then when Princess Diana dies, the Bosnia War starts, the, uh, the 9-11 happens, there's no more sports. So I was able to make the transition. And America is a better place for it, according to Americans. They did a survey. They talked to everybody. <laughs> and they came back. Yes. And, and when did you become the, an anchor of uh, Fox and Friends? It, it morphed. There was no big announcement. There were no balloon drops. It just happened. 
And then they say, Chris Wallace is coming over. You might as well stick around. I said, all right, it'll probably never work. And maybe I could be the power player one time. And I was. But that and was you enough. were. Yeah. And you were. Incidentally, because you have a new book out, do you want to come down to Washington and be – well, actually, you don't even have to because our panel is remote. Come on and promote the book. I would love on that. our panel. I would love that. The first half hour. And then we'll do the panel and talk about the news. Thanks so much, Chris Wallace. Watch Fox News Sunday. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. He asked me, he said, what's the situation? And I explained exactly. Uh, he, was, he had not been aware of that. He literally, literally had not been aware of what had transpired. And I don't want to go into the details of it, but suffice it to say... That, uh, that the president, uh, uh, my president, is very committed to um, uh, strengthening the relationship. John Kerry on French television causing havoc for this White House because the climate czar is out there acting like a secretary of state, trying, I guess, to help or make himself look good by telling French television that he knew nothing of uh, trumping the nuclear sub deal with Australia, bringing billions to America and costing billions to these private companies in France. So that's the way he's healing things now that the ambassador has been restored to both countries. Is he helping anybody but himself? I would be furious if I was the president. But separating myself from that, it worries me. It worries me that the president might not have known that this nuclear sub deal sold to Australia to protect themselves ostensibly from China would not be something the president came up with, looked at the secretary with the secretary of defense and said, we got to do this. Let me call Macron first. Instead, doesn't call anybody. It becomes an international problem with our ally. No wonder China doesn't fear us. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. If you had carte blanche, if you had the magic wand, then you could do what you wanted on the border to solve the problem or try to. How would you do it? I would re-implement the strategy that the United States Border Patrol had been working on and perfecting for 25, almost 30 years. What would I do is that, simply continue to build out the border wall, that those requirements were developed by seasoned Border Patrol agents. There's got to be a consequence for illegal entry. You cannot let people just come up, wave a flag, and then release them into the U.S. to get their case heard five, six years later. They've already got the prize. They're already here. Rodney Scott talking about what he would do if he could fix the border. was so frustrated he left his job and Biden wanted him out. Biden's numbers of the border, 23 percent approve of the way he's handling it, 25 percent overall on immigration issues. This is tragic. Why won't someone have him address it, put on a jean shirt, go down there and start building the wall again? Have go to a press conference and say we got to take extreme measures. Worse since he's been involved since the 1970s. I, gotta, I owe it to the American people in the middle of a pandemic to shut this thing down. And ask for maybe some consulates to open up in the Central and South America and make it easier for people to apply the right way, taking coronavirus tests first. 
and maybe do that. To me, that's the way you handle something like this. You react to crises, and the poll numbers give you the freedom to act because what you're doing now is not embraced. So Republican governors got together on the urging of Senator Cruz in Texas. So the governor... Uh, the governors came together and they put together a 10-point plan to end the border crisis. I'll just share some of it. Continue Title 42 public health restrictions. Fully reinstate the migration protection protocols. Uh, finish securing the border. We paid for it already. End catch and release. That would be great. I wonder if they have the heart for that because Obama got some blowback for the for the wild left that he has because he deported a lot of people. Clear uh, judicial backlog. I don't know how you do that. They are so backlogged then. Do you fly Judges in massively set up almost pop tents, uh, pop tents in the area, pop them up and just send people through. Clear the judicial backlog, resume the deportation of all criminals. Of course, now they're saying criminals can stay if they're not a threat. Really? So they can knock off a bank, but they won't shoot anybody. They can stay. Dedicate federal resources to eradicate human trafficking and drug trafficking. Yesterday, Bill Malusian put up some video. He tweeted it out of drug cartel members in full camouflage and machine guns over their chest taunting the Texas Border Patrol. Re-enter all agreements with the North Triangle Partners in, in Mexico? I don't know. Uh, re-enter? I would say re-engage those, those meetings and seeing uh, have incentives for them to keep people back. And not only will you get your aid, you'll get more. If not, you'd get none. Deploy more federal law enforcement officers. Not likely. People really don't want that job. Marco Rubio weighed in. He knows a lot of this is preventable. He also knows, as a member of the Hispanic community Cuba, via Cuba, that it is not bad to crack down on the border if you want to win votes in the Hispanic community because you do it with humanity and say there's a reason why we have a system. Use it. The crazy thing is Kamala Harris should be doing this. Cut 25. Kamala Harris shouldn't be the border though. She's not doing anything. And if she's the one that's actually running this, then they need to find somebody else. And that's what I've asked them to do. Second, it begins with accepting the reality. Okay, just alone, just Haitian migrants alone, there's between 90 and 120,000 Haitian migrants, some of whom have been living in Chile or Ecuador for the better part of 10 years, who now, uh, those countries ran out of jobs. And so now they're looking to make the journey north. They are at various stages of transit. And we are being told that by country after country in the region. That's just from Haiti alone, not not to mention the other places. And if you talk to people at the border or people that have crossed, they will all tell you the same thing. They expect to get into the United States. They expect to enter. They expect to be released, pending an asylum hearing that many have no intention to show up for. And when they make the journey, they call back home. They let other people know about it. And it encourages more people to do the same. So that is Marco Rubio, who gets his hands dirty in these issues and cannot believe how inept this administration has been so far. And the approval ratings at 23 and 25 percent show the American people are fed up with it. With me right now, if you're watching Fox Nation, you recognize we're privileged to have with us Ambassador Nikki Haley, the former governor of South Carolina. Uh, Governor, welcome back. Thanks so much. It's always fun to be here. Yes, I can call you uh, anything. I see you uh, all around now. But uh, I was stunned uh, by these numbers from the Quinnipiac poll. For the most part, if I say Nikki Haley, we gave it, we have a Q poll coming. If you're a Republican, you don't expect it to be positive. But the Democrat, to have 34% approval rating from the Quinnipiac poll, what does that tell you? You know, it's so interesting. I had a Democrat say, you know, do you think that the abortion issue is going to drive 
people to the polls. And I said, no, what's going to drive people to the polls is the border issue, the Afghanistan issue, the inflation issue, the tax and spend issue, like the what's happening with mandates and all those things. There is nothing that he is doing that is satisfying independents right now. Republicans and a lot of the conservative Democrats. So what do you do now uh, effectively to get that border under control? I know the Republican governors went down and gave him a 10-point plan. This administration doesn't want to hear about it. But if the polls are like this, it doesn't matter what you want to hear. What are they going to do? Like, what, who, are they, who are they pleasing with this lack of policy? You know, and at least show up. Like Kamala Harris, that's your borders are. And Biden hasn't even gone to the border. You can't fix what you can't touch. They have to go there. He's got to stop waving the green flag, telling everybody to come. He's got to stop giving everyone automatic citizenship or saying that they want to get them to vote. All these things are signals that tell them to come. And it's dangerous what's happening under the bridge for the people who are coming. And it's dangerous for the people that live in the area. So. How is this different from what you remember you were governor at the time then President Obama handled it? Well, I mean, look, I think that they want to say, oh, we're a free and open country. We should let these people come. But President Obama did the same thing. He would not vet any of the refugees that were coming. He would not vet anyone. He just let them go. I mean, here you're going to put vaccine mandates on people, but you're not even testing the people at the border. I mean, think about it. And then your way of dealing with the Haitian immigrants is you're going to pick them up, fly them to some other place in the country so that nobody can see it. It's as bad as I've ever seen. Like, it couldn't get worse than it is. I, I don't understand the jurisdiction. The governor's never informed. Rick Scott, I remember after the Orlando shooting, I was with him, and he, he had got reports while I was sitting there of a whole bunch of migrants landing the night before in a neighboring city. And he said, wait a second, I'm the governor. Why don't people check with me? They don't, they don't have to check with the governor? No, and Obama didn't check with us either. No, that yeah, that was the Obama years. Yep. So isn't isn't that bizarre? No, it is very bizarre because they're hoping you won't notice. That's the goal is they just want to slide people under the radar and they're hoping you won't notice. But you know who does notice? Parents, when they see what's happening in their schools. Doctors, when they see people at the hospitals that don't have insurance. I mean, all of these things, it builds up on our society and they think that no one's going to notice, but they do notice. So I appreciate you coming in. I know how busy you've been. And also, people need your expertise, whether it's running a state, the immigration issues, uh, what we're spending, or running the world. What we're seeing now is, since Afghanistan, I, I see America's credibility dropping like no other time in my lifetime. And I'm wondering, did that come up when you gave your speech at the Reagan Library? Yeah, I mean, I look, what I'm trying to say is, we are best when we are strong. Other countries want us to be strong. I mean, there's something very telling based on what happened with Afghanistan. That Here you have China doing, you know, flying planes over Taiwan. They fly 32 planes over Taiwan. Blinken goes, you better stop. This isn't good. They go and fly 52 more. They're not scared of us. No one's scared of America anymore. No one thinks that America's going to stand with their allies. No one thinks they're going to hold any of their enemies accountable. They're just ignoring us right now. Knowing that nation building is not popular, nor is it feasible, and we should be learning. And it never from works. It never works. But we can be that ideal that people look at. We can give them the template to say and be an ally and an asset. Here's you at the, with giving your speech with, uh, at the Reagan Library and talking about America's principles, which seems to be something that's rare these days. Cut 35. Oh, America isn't perfect, but the principles at the heart of America are perfect. And the story doesn't stop there. The founders set a standard for America to meet, and they summoned the American people to meet it. If you're reading a woke history book, 
you'd never know it. But if you're reading a real history book, you will meet the heroes who pursued the promise of freedom, equality, and justice for all. That promise sparked a fire in the hearts of Frederick Douglass, Abraham Lincoln, and the abolitionists who brought in a slavery to an end. So true. That would have been a perfect time to talk about my book, but you chose not to. Why not, Ambassador? I mean, because I, <laughs> hey, I'm all excited about right. your book. I can't wait to read it. Yeah, but but you're 100% right. It's because things weren't perfect. They were, uh, for the African-Americans, it was a brutal experience up until 1860 for the most part in the, uh, in the South. In the North, only 1% of the African-American population was located there. So you are as also a minority in this country. You are able to tackle that with a degree of credibility as governor and ambassador, and you also get a chance to see the outside perspective of America. Are you stunned what's happened over the last few years of this self-loathing we seem to be going through? You know, I think it's incredibly dangerous to our national security, to our pride, to our children, is this national self-loathing is so off base. Those Haitians didn't come here because— you know, we are an evil country or we're an a racist country. They came here because we're a free country. Great Everybody point. wants the freedom that we have. We There's some things in this country that have gone wrong, but there's a whole lot that's gone right. And you look at the freedoms that we have. When I was at the United Nations, everybody wanted that. Everybody wanted that. So we need to stop hating on ourselves right. and start realizing that when we spread our freedoms around the world, the world is better. All right, we're going to take a short time out. We'll come back more with uh, Ambassador Nikki Haley in just a moment. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. He asked me, he said, what's the situation? And I explained exactly. Uh, he, was, he had not been aware of that. He literally had not been aware of what had transpired. And I don't want to go into the details of it, but suffice it to say that, uh, that the president, uh, uh, my president, is very committed to... Um, uh, strengthening the relationship. John Kerry, where he's most comfortable in France on French TV, saying that give my president a break. He wasn't told about the su- nuclear sub deal that trumped the sub deal from France because ours are better. Australia made the purchase. Uh, what do you say? So about that? embarrassing. So embarrassing. I mean, what a horrible message to send, not just to France, to the world that the president of the United States doesn't know transaction-wise what's happening and doesn't know that our one of our allies is upset with us. I, I just, I can't even believe he said it. He could have even made something up, but don't say that. Nikki Haley's here, by the way. Uh, as you an ambassador, did you do a lot of interviews with other countries? Yeah, at times you would do it, especially if you were there. You would do some media there. And the one thing we always did was we showed strength of America. We showed, we told exactly where America stood, exactly what America was against, so that there was no gray. People knew where we stood. They didn't have to like us. Right. But I always made sure that they respected us. But is it easy to not be aware that this interview on another channel is actually going to get out? Do you think John Kerry understood that this was going to be world news and he just embarrassed 
the guy who made him climate czar? He had to know what he was doing. But the worst part is he's not just climate czar. He sits on the National Security Council. He would have been in the meetings when they were discussing this. So did they not have the meeting? That was the first thing that came to my mind is, wait, you sit on the National Security Council. Anything foreign relations like that. Was the president not at your National Security Council meeting? Does that mean he's not going to those? What else are y'all not telling him? I know, and it's just amazing. And I know we always say what aboutism, but can you imagine if you got into a conflict as you an ambassador and the French recalled their uh, their ambassador? First time in history. They would be like, this Donald Trump, he's so you know thuggish, he doesn't understand international relations, he alienated another ally. But he alienated another ally. And our, and the uh, countries at the U.N. would have been too scared to do that with Donald Trump. They never would have done that because they knew how strong we were. Never in my time did I think that the NATO countries would be meeting and talking and negotiating without the U.S. When, would the, when did this happen? They recently, they said that France and Macron and all that, they're now starting to discuss where they go because they don't think the U.S. should be there and they don't think they need to have these conversations with the U.S. It's a problem. Did you think Gahani was a problem when you were there Uh, in Afghanistan? You know, he was, that was a a corrupt government, right? So it was never, I mean, Ghani was always kind of um, passive and they always wanted a lot from America. But the thing that we did with Afghanistan is we told them what we expected of them. That's the thing. But, I mean, my husband can tell you anybody that served in Afghanistan knew that they would not be able to stand alone. They were incapable. Didn't mean they didn't want to sacrifice. Didn't mean that they didn't lose a lot of brothers in the process. But what it did mean was they needed leadership. And to skip out in the middle of the night, leaving Bagram Air Force Base and not telling your allies, you couldn't have killed the morale of the people in Afghanistan any more than they did. I hear you. When you put together that speech, the Reagan Library, I know Mike Pompeo made one recently, too. What were you hoping to get across? What went into that speech for you? Because you're really defining what's next for your career. I mean, well, what I hoped in that speech was stop complaining. We've got to get to work. We've got to strengthen our country again. And, you know, you strengthen our country by understanding our resolve, understanding that we're the freest, fairest country that there is, the best country in the world. Let's get back to being that. And you do that by being strong. You do that by appreciating our freedoms. You do that by spreading that word to everyone that you come in front of. Don't sit there and praise people who hate America. Like, that's not what we should be doing. You should be praising people who love America. Understood. Here's an excerpt from that. Cut 34. Then Senator Obama said, quote, we are one American family. There's not a black America and a white America, a Latino America and an Asian America. There's the United States of America. We are one people, all of us pledging allegiance to the stars and stripes. Can you imagine any prominent Democrat making that statement today? No. Even though a similar speech was made at the inaugural, but look at the actions that followed, which is more important. You had a chance to get an infrastructure deal and say, I had 19 colleagues in the Senate and probably 50 in the House Republicans. And even though it would have, Donald Trump would have hated it, they would have said, I did something Donald Trump didn't do. He didn't go for the win there. Why would a 78-year-old who's been in government this long not understand the benefits of getting a win when it's handed to you? There's not an American out there that would say these last nine months haven't been about total division, division of race, division of mandates, division of immigration, everything you can imagine. They have done nothing but criticize America. And it's it's a national security threat for us. 
because we look so distracted right now in the eyes of the world. And it's terrible for our children and what they're seeing. This is not how I grew up. I grew up knowing that we were blessed to live in America. But I grew up also knowing that we had to be a part of making it better. I remember reading your book. You talked about it wasn't easy for you. Even within the administration, you had to assert yourself, and you'd say, I gotta re- I'm going to be on the cabinet. But in the last minute remaining, why were you so confident that you could go from governor to ambassador? It came off. I don't know anyone that's been critical of your term there, but most people are in awe of it. Why were you confident? Because I knew that if I went and communicated the strengths of America, and if I did it in the way that was in line with President Trump— that we would come out of it stronger. And I was blessed to serve the country I love so much. I wanted every country in the world to see why we're so great. And you got the Oval Office goodbye. They're the only one I can remember. How are you and the president, former president getting along? He's a friend. He knows that I will do whatever we can to make his legacy good. I believed in every policy he ever passed. I was proud to be a part of the administration. And I'm so psyched you're here. Uh, it was great thanks to, so much. Uh, thanks so much for putting us on your places to visit list now that you're in New York. Ambassador Nikki Haley, thank you. Thanks. Congrats on the book. I can't wait to read it. All right. I'm going to give you a free copy or at great. least discount. Nice. <laughs> New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Senator John Cornyn standing by. Bottom of the hour, Senator Ron Johnson. And, of course, you, 1-866-408-7669. I have a lot to discuss coming to you from New York, but we're heard everywhere. Uh, So I don't want to take too much time away from the Texas senator. I know there was uh, 10 Republican governors who went down to the border and put out a 10-point plan on how to fix the border. They can't even get a meeting with the president. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. This is a Fox News update, a big announcement from the man who owns Fox Television. Rupert Murdoch is launching a 24-hour cable news channel. The appetite for news, particularly news that explains to people how it affects them, I really believe it's expanding enormously. I would think so. 25 years later, number one in all of cable, period, and streaming. Uh, what makes you watch? Which makes you listen? Weigh in. Number two. I think it's going to get worse. If we get a cold winter, we've already seen a spike in natural gas prices. If they go up a lot more, you're all going to feel it. Heating your home, even getting goods to the factory, heating the business, it's right. all going to go up. This winter could be a real spike in well, inflation. But- The average American family said to be spending an extra $175 a month thanks to rising inflation and supply line jams. And the same time, Democrats try to rationalize a massive party line spending bill. It makes no sense. And the American people are showing they don't want it. Number one. Right now, everyone from the Proud Boys to the Oath Keepers to QAnon influencers are trying to encourage their their members, their followers, their maniacs to show up at school board hearings. Conservatives manufactured outrage over masks and history lessons, took our school boards hostage like a bunch of screaming maniacs. Yeah, maniacs, parents, maniacs, asserting influence in their kids' academic lives because they saw what was happening and they saw what was appropriate and not. Now the DOJ 
has been asked to get the FBI uh, to go after some of these parents who they say are posing terroristic threats to school board members. That's what the union is claiming. Senator John Cornyn, we have a lot to discuss, but can you... What is your reaction to Merrick Garland going out and putting that memo that basically targets parents? It's an outrage. The, uh, you know, there's nothing more personal to each of us than our kids, and particularly our kids' education. And, and parents have every right under the Constitution and just as parents uh, to talk to the school board and administrators and teachers about what they're teaching their children. And this idea that uh, because uh, they, uh, you know, the, the progressive left wants to try to intimidate parents from, uh, from exercising those rights is an outrage. And it's none of Merrick Garland's business. Obviously, we all decry violence. Nobody's supporting violence. But being able to participate in your child's education is a fundamental right available to every parent. Senator Cornyn, I have to tell you that emotions get high, especially if you go to yes. a high school football game. And they, there's, they, we ask, in, even on Long Island, where high school football isn't as big, but when there's rivalry games, cops come in. They get hired to provide extra security. I get it. And it, when the emotion about your kids and critical race theory come up and mass mandates and vaccine mandates, if it gets hot, we can handle it locally. Why get the federal government involved? I don't get it. Well, unfortunately, this is part of a narrative from the Biden administration. You recall uh, this uh, focusing on domestic violence extremists and suggesting that actually the intelligence community, uh, which is supposed to be focused on foreign threats, not domestic threats, uh, that's the purview of the FBI, but that the intelligence community used the various tools it has available to it to surveil Americans and uh, protect against this supposed threat. Uh, yeah, you know, individual cases is what we're talking about here, and they're acting like this is some sort of mass movement, and it's not. It's people participating in in their democratic uh, government, and uh, you know, sometimes it's uh, it gets a little rowdy, but that's uh, that's okay, and that's all right. Uh, one of the goals is to make sure Mr. and Mrs. Johnson don't show up because they can't risk being arrested and be saddled with legal bills when they're barely getting by. But just to show you, Senator, we agree. Uh, but to, I, when I watch other channels, I'm stunned how their perception, if this is indeed sincere, is. Listen to some of this commentary. Cut for In a version of America where school board meetings have become the new culture war battlegrounds with children caught in the crosshairs sometimes literally and sometimes figuratively. Right now, everyone from the Proud Boys to the Oath Keepers to QAnon influencers are trying to encourage their, their members, their followers, their maniacs to show up at school board hearings. Some are you crazy? I mean, what? QAnon? Proud Boys? Yeah. What's the, what are they, have they seen these meetings? This is all about intimidation. Um, you know, the, the left wants to intimidate people who don't agree with them to stay quiet and they, so they can dominate the, the control, the message and the any uh, message that's uh, conveyed. But, you know, people sh people need to, to realize that they have every right to participate in their child's education, every right to participate in our debates about culture and about the future of our country and about policy. Uh, but and but I think it's all about intimidation. So the other big story is the disaster from the Democratic perspective of the two spending bills. Instead of taking a win on the bipartisan infrastructure bill, which you didn't vote for, the Senate passed. Uh, he decided to link it to with the reconciliation bill and their their caucus came apart. 
Along with that, this week, there's a debt ceiling increase that has to happen over the next two weeks or else you default on your debt. And you guys basically said, do it on your own. Then Mitch McConnell came back and did what yesterday? With For those people who are not involved in day-to-day life in Washington, what exactly happened? Mitch, Mitch McConnell told them in July that uh, if you're going to engage in this reckless spending and increase the national debt, then you're going to have to raise the debt limit. Uh, basically, it's the credit limit on your credit on the nation's credit card, and we're not going to we're not going to join you. And you you have the votes to do it. All 50 Democrats in the Senate plus the Vice President can do it. So there's no threat to the uh, uh, full faith and credit of our of our economy and our currency. Um, but now the Democrats are saying they don't have enough time to do it. Uh, in the few days now, I think the 18th is when General Janet Yellen said uh, she's run out of uh, tricks uh, to try to extend it. And so uh, what Senator McConnell offered them is uh, a short, temporary uh, extension so they will have time to do it through the reconciliation process. Again, all alone. They will own it. They'll be responsible for it and are held accountable for it in the 2022 elections. Here's what Sheldon Whitehouse said uh, when you guys made that. I imagine when you're part of leadership, you're, you're on the same page with Senator McConnell? I think, it's, I, think it's, I think it's the smart move, yes. Okay. Here's what he said, the Democrat from Rhode Island. Cut 14. Well, the latest news is that it looks like Mitch just folded. And we are going to be able to go forward the way he originally suggested as Democrats and raise the debt limit. Did he? So would you characterize it as folding? I think that's just spin. They're, you know, uh, that's part of Washington speak um, is to try to spin the narrative. I think what we did is make sure that we take away their only objection that they voiced, is, and then that's that they don't have enough time. Of course, that's the result of their own malpractice and incompetence, refusing to deal with this earlier after being told in July that they would have to do this by themselves. But um, I think they're going to – the most important thing about this, uh, b- beyond what I said, Brian, is since 2011, Congress has suspended the debt limit without setting a number. What we want and what we need, and I think what the American people deserve, is a number, and they will have to – state a number that they want to rate the debt ceiling to, we can point to the fact that they want to continue the kind of reckless partisan spending like they did the first part of this year with almost $2 trillion, only 10% of which was COVID-related, and they want to add to it another $3.5 trillion in this so-called reconciliation bill, which we call the reckless tax and spending bill. So I think it'll be very clear if they have to vote to raise the debt limit, they have the means to do it, and then uh, then they will be held accountable and I think pay a pay a pretty terrible price at the ballot box in 2022. We watched Joe Biden run for president in the 80s. We watched him fail miserably in 2008. He might have even run one time in between. Each time he's gotten almost no uh, no momentum at all. And this time he gets uh, uh, 82 million votes and he becomes president and he has 57% approval rating. It's now down, according to this Q poll, to 36 percent. It was at 53 percent just in uh, uh, just a couple of months ago. So is this the same guy? 
Yeah, it, it is. It's uh, you know he was going through sort of a honeymoon period, but you know the, after one mistake after another, after one uh, you know uh, one one policy mistake after another, uh, I think people are really seeing the true Joe Biden. And the fact that he went over to the House and threw the moderates under the bus, the people who he had promised to vote to on this infrastructure bill, which as you pointed out, I voted against it because it wasn't responsibly paid for, but by and large, people support infrastructure on a bipartisan basis. But he threw them under the bus and saying, we want the $3.5 trillion. We're not going to give anybody the benefit of this infrastructure bill until we get what we want. So I, I couldn't believe it. But look no further, as, as you and, and, uh, and your colleagues at Fox have pointed out, almost to the exclusion of any other news media, what's happening at the border. They simply don't care. They simply don't care. They know what they need to do. They need to end catch and release. Thanks to Governor Abbott and the governors that appeared there yesterday, laid out a list of things that if we're actually done, we could regain control of the border. I have introduced legislation with Senator Sinema, an Arizona border senator, a Democrat, along with Henry Cuellar, a blue dog Democrat from Laredo, Texas, and Tony Gonzalez, who represents the largest border district in the country. It's called the Bipartisan Border Solutions Bill. We have not had any interest at all of the administration to do anything different. So, you know, doing the same thing over and again and expecting different results is one definition of insanity. So, Senator, just speculate with me. Why? If he's getting 23 percent approval about how he's handling the southern border, most of which is eaten up by Texas, why would it be to his advantage to, to deteriorate his own poll ratings through his lack of action. Because if he looked like he was taking action, his numbers would go up. So please tell me, I don't get it. Yeah, it's hard to, hard to understand. I would say there's, there's two things. One is just a basic incompetence. And the second is his fear of the progressives in his own party. You'll recall when the Border Patrol agent was on a horse uh, and using his reins to direct the horse and uh, deter a Haitian migrant from crossing uh, the Rio Grande River, immediately there was an outcry suggesting that somehow the Border Patrol was whipping, using a whip on the border, on, on the migrant, which was proven later to be not true. Uh, but this is this is where the Democratic Party is now. They're captives of the radical progressive uh, portion of their base, and they are not. Uh, I mean, they they they're afraid of them, just like they want everybody else to be afraid of them too. I mean, we've we've seen fractured caucuses before. People not getting along. Paul Ryan had trouble with the Freedom Caucus, as did John Boehner. He used to get Democrats involved. It's not unique. It's kind of unique to Democrats, though. And to be 78 years old and a moderate and then just suddenly have to act like somebody you're not, to me, would be something I wouldn't subscribe to. But Joe Manchin is kind of saving the day. I love this comment. I've never been. I've never been a liberal in any way, shape or the form. There's no one has ever (laughs) thought I was. So so why can't Joe if, if he was a moderate, maybe you want to disabuse me of it. Why can't Joe Biden say that? Why can't he act like that? Well, because Joe Manchin gets elected in in uh, ruby red uh, West Virginia, where that that uh, Trump won, I think, by about seventy percent, and uh, Joe Manchin knows who he works for, which are the people of West Virginia. Um, Joe Biden is now sitting atop of the National Democratic Party, that is in a civil war 
uh, between the Bernie Sanders faction and the so-called moderates. And uh, right now it looks to me like Bernie's winning and that Joe's afraid of him. Uh, but he's going to take the Democratic Party uh, to a disastrous election in 2022 if he continues to head down this path. Senator, 90 scholars came together urging the Democrats to trump the parliamentarian who said you cannot include immigration reform in a budget bill with, through reconciliation. They said you can't do it. They're saying go over the parliamentarian's head. Is that – I mean, what would you do if they did that? Would it – well, that's literally scorched earth tactics in the Senate. Uh, you know, they don't want to play by the rules. They want to uh, break the rules to get what they want. And this is why the, the debate over the filibuster has been so important, Brian, because with 50, 50 Democrats in the Senate plus the vice president, they want to be able to transform the country with 51 votes. And we saw this everything from, uh, you know, making D.C. a state uh, to packing the Supreme Court uh, and to granting a general amnesty for eight or nine million people, which is part of what the reason why they're going after the parliamentarian. Uh, but she's told him no to her credit, and which is the right answer. And uh, so far, they haven't uh, pulled the, you know, the nuclear option here. And uh, but it's too early to declare a, a victory. But this just shows how radical they are. It is unbelievable. Uh, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema are so vilified for doing what they're supposed to be doing, representing red slash purple states. Uh, Senator John Cornyn, always, uh, always great to talk to you. Thanks, Brian. Great to be with you. You got it. And listen, I want, I would love to talk and just say how Joe Biden solved the, the, the border problem. I would love to talk about how he backed off on reconciliation. Both things would raise his numbers up, but it would help the country. That's my objective. Back in a moment with you. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on the Brian Kilmeade Show. The from the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Fast as three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Oh, 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 nice. oh, 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 I thought you were like, oh, no, 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 one no, guy. So that was Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, who was telling somebody, I've got to put a, I have to put my mask on because I got Republican tracker here. Wait a second. You're about to go to a major event. Anthony Fauci says in major events where you don't know who's vaccinated and who's not, you should wear a mask. It shouldn't matter if there's a Republican there. Same thing with the cabinet secretary. I watched the other day. I think it was the secretary of education. No mask until he walks out, gets close to the stage, then puts the mask on only to walk to the stage alone and then take the mask off. It's what they called hygiene theater and mask theater. But this is getting out of control. And we, we could play cuts all day long of the president of the United States saying, I will not mandate masks and vaccinations uh, with, excuse me, with vaccinations because that's just not who we are. And now he's doing just that, encouraging private businesses to do it. And then today we find out that 2,500 were told not to come in at Kaiser Permanente because they weren't vaccinated. We know now cops and firefighters are in New York are right now, they say, I've rated 68% of them are vaccinated, right? Now the commissioner is saying they got two weeks to get vaccinated or they were told not to come in on their job. Aid workers, long-term health care, hospice care, some of the hardest to get. 
one in five aren't vaxxed. They have until the 13th, excuse yeah, October 13th to get vaccinated. What do you think is going to happen there? What about all the students that don't that have substitute teachers or no teacher at all in New York City and in San Francisco and in Los Angeles? A new poll now. This is going to be the new thing over the next two weeks. There's a Pfizer's now asked the FDA to greenlight a vaccine for kids. Seven in ten parents oppose vaccine mandates for children. You think parents are upset now? You tell them you can't bring their kid in unless this vaccine is shot into their arm. Game on. The t- Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The United States is the financial rock the world looks to and trusts. Now, in one cynical, destructive partisan ploy, just for politics, Republican friends are teetering on the brink here. They're threatening to boot that all away. Now, it's a meteor headed to crash into our economy. We should all want to stop it. Stop it immediately. This shouldn't be partisan. (laughs) What do you mean it shouldn't be partisan? Are you crazy? Of course it's going to be partisan. And when it comes to the debt ceiling, you voted against it three times. You said if you didn't miss a vote, you would have done it four times. Does he not think that we have a VCR to remember what he was like in the 70s and 80s? So, and by the way, he did it again under George W. Bush. Uh, let's bring in Senator Ron Johnson, Homeland Security. Uh, he's on the Homeland Security Committee, Foreign Relations uh, and Budget Committee. Uh, Senator, welcome back. Well, Brian, hope you're well. I am. Uh, can you tell me how you feel about this extension that Mitch McConnell gave? Are you okay with this? Well, it's a punt. Um, yeah, obviously, obviously, the, the, the president is completely hypocritical here. The Democrats have all the capability to increase the debt ceiling to accommodate their deficit spending. We talked about partisan. What was the $1.9 trillion? 100% partisan COVID relief package. You know, what, what's the $3.5 trillion Bernie budget really is about $5.5 trillion. So they've been on notice. Uh, I'm the one that drafted the letter that 46 Republican senators signed saying that we're not going to help facilitate increase the debt ceiling. They've got to do that on their own. Uh, apparently, Leader McConnell believes that we're going to give them two more months. Now, the bottom line here is we're not going to give them a blank check. They've got to increase it by a dollar amount, and it can't be a grotesque level to allow them to do even more deficit spending. So I, I don't view this as a, that big an issue uh, from a standpoint of uh, you know what we laid in terms of a, a bottom line. Uh, but we're going to be facing this exact same situation December 2nd. So I, I'm certainly not going to vote in any way, shape, or form, whether culture vote or anything else. I'm just I won't object to Democrats increasing the debt ceiling by a set dollar amount. We're just not going to let them suspend the debt ceiling and give them a blank check. So I want you to hear uh, some of the give and take yesterday uh, when it comes to the DOJ answering the question through the assistant uh, AG. Uh, Kristen Clark was was asked, what are you doing? You're going to call the FBI on parents because they're showing emotion because they care about their kids at school board meetings? That's what this memo essentially said. They're going to be looked at as almost as domestic terrorists. Here's Kristen Clark trying to answer this question from Senator Blackburn and Cruz. Cut one. We do not want intimidation in our society. So it would concern you 
if there was an exercise against an individual's free speech, correct? The First Amendment is important, and we also do not want a society with intimidation. Do they have civil rights that the voting rights gives a damn about? Yet they have the right to express their view, to uh, challenge uh, the school boards, to ask And, and is it beneficial for the attorney general to label them as d domestic terrorists and direct the FBI to target them? The attorney general's memo deals with threats against public servants. So they said, what's the big deal? You know what's going to happen. Someone's going to show some emotion, bang the lecture, and next thing you know, the FBI's going to knock on their door, and they're going to have hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of legal bills to keep themselves out of jail. Listen, labeling somebody a domestic terrorist is intimidation. You know, saying that you're going to be labeled a domestic terrorist if, for example, you, you question the policies regarding COVID that haven't worked. Okay, if, if you question the, the unconstitutional vaccine mandate, if, if you're not, apparently you're going to be labeled a domestic terrorist. If, if you question the, the narrative that there were thousands of armed insurrectionists on January 6th, and by the way, there weren't, now you're going to be labeled domestic terror, terrorist. No, that is intimidation. What Merrick Garland, what President Biden is doing should concern every American, but unfortunately, uh, at least half Americans get their news from the mainstream media, from the social media, who are basically the communication arm of, of the Democratic Party. They're radical leftists themselves. So you know, God bless uh, people like you and Fox News uh, for providing the truth. We just need more people listening to it. Absolutely. So the approval ratings came out for the president, and they're brutal. They'd be brutal for Trump at his worst, let alone a Compliant press with a Democrat, he's got 38% approval rating overall. For his competency, 55% say he's not running the country competently. On the on the southern border, only 23% approve of how he's handling it. Overall in immigration, 25%. This is a disaster. This is a five-alarm fire, and he's bleeding independence. Does that hearten you, Senator, that the American people don't need a referee? They can make their own judgment? It does if they get the information. And, and obviously, the mainstream media, the Biden administration, can't keep the crisis at the border a secret. You know, we fi By the way, finally got information from DHS. A half a million people have been dispersed by, by different components of DHS in the first nine months. And now Rodney Scott's telling us that they know of 400,000 individuals that they call known gotaways. Now, that's not counting the unknown gotaways. So just with that amount, 500 plus 400,000, that's 900,000 people in the first, first nine months. You extrapolate that, that's 1.2 million people. And, Brian, just to put that in perspective, nine states have populations less than 1.2 million people. We, we, we are letting just in one year, under this feckless administration, uh, we are letting in to this country an illegal flow of a population that is larger than the population of nine states. Like, and the, like that's not going to cause a problem, but the press continues to try and ignore it. The administration won't call it a crisis, and it was like pulling teeth to get that information out of the Secretary of Homeland Security. I want to talk about with this Facebook whistleblower that came out on Sunday on 60 Minutes, Tuesday, uh, to testify in front of Capitol Hill, next in front of the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, some are saying hold, uh, hold off a little bit on her, that there might be a political agenda uh, at uh, afoot. Senator Blumenthal, for example, seems to have really had some synergy there with her. 
Do you believe this is a bipartisan a way in which you can work with Democratic Party to rein in companies like Facebook, or is there something else afoot here? No, I think it's an obvious partisan uh, attempt. The, the, the left simply cannot abide by conservative thought and content. And so what they're trying to do is they're trying to stamp out the last tidbit of conservative information on these social media platforms and try and do it in a bipartisan way, I guess. So I, I'm hoping that Republicans aren't suckered into this. Uh, you know, I, I think we do need to do something to rein in the power of these social media giants. From my standpoint, uh, you, you start reducing their, their Section 230 liability protection when they start deplatforming companies and putting companies out of business when, they're not, when they don't have uh, clearly published rules in terms of their moderation policies. But I think you need to be very careful in eliminating the 230 liability protection when it comes to content because they will, they will censor content, not liberal content. What, what, Brian, when's the last time you've ever heard of a liberal screed be, being labeled misinformation? It's, it's only truth coming from conservatives that's ever labeled misinformation. So, no, I, I think this is an obvious ploy to eliminate all conservative thought from the major uh, social media platforms. So here's Francis Hogan, who's 35 years old and left in with all this information back in the spring of Facebook. Here she's talking about censorship. On the second major topic of mm-hmm. concern of Facebook, which is censorship, based on what you've seen, are you, are you concerned about political censorship at, at Facebook and in big tech? I believe you cannot have a system that uh, has as big an impact on society as Facebook does today with as little transparency as it does. We don't want computers deciding what we focus on. We should have software that is human-scaled, where humans have conversations together, not computers facilitating who we get to hear from. So uh, does that that help you unwind what Facebook is up to? No, because the humans that are going to be moderating the content are radical leftists that are employed by Facebook, okay? So, no, I, I, I don't trust them any further you can throw them. You know, the first solution is, is parental control. Don't let your children use these, these platforms or limit their use. And then the marketplace is going to have to step up the plate. Conservatives need to stop patronizing these radical leftist platforms and start moving over to uh, other platforms that will actually engage in freedom of speech. So, yeah, I, I have a great deal of faith in the marketplace. I have very little faith in the media and the social media companies right now, and I certainly have no faith in Democrats uh, wanting to have a solution here. They're, they're not looking for a solution to rein back power of the big tech. It's, this is working for them. You know, a biased media, a biased big tech works for them. So they're not really looking for real solutions for free speech. Right. They don't talk about free speech. They don't believe it. Senator, you met with Tony Bobulinski. You were all over this investigation until you guys lost the majority in the Senate. This would have been a different thing. Hunter Biden's almost trolling us at this point. He is now has became a rookie artist and selling paintings for $500,000. We have no idea who's buying them. We saw the mayor of Los Angeles walk in and uh, some celebrities like Sugar Ray Letter and others go in there. I want you to hear what Vivek Ramswamy, uh, who wrote Woke Inc., had to say about what's happening with Hunter Biden and how unethical this is, cut 32. I think if you want to take a charitable interpretation and say he really wants to express himself artistically, then he's free to do that. But for the four years that your father is the leader of the free world and has access to the nuclear codes, just do it for free for those four years, please. They've clearly made plenty of money while Biden was vice president of the United States. They've made a lot of money while Biden was out of office. Just take a break for those four years. And even if you're not 
ultimately engaging in corrupt acts, why sacrifice the public trust in the process? I, I, I have the same similar questions. What is going what is going on? You've you've read a lot about this guy. You've seen those emails, right? You've talked to Tony Bobolinsky about these international deals. Why would he be doing this? <laughs> because he's just a low life. And Biden Inc. has always been corrupt. And you know, Chuck Grassley and I tried to warn America, but again, the press ignored it. We were censored. Tony Bobulinski came forward because of our report, because he realized that Hunter Biden basically screwed him out of five million bucks. You know, the, the computer repair shop owner also came forward because of our report. But again, the media ignored them. But it's been obvious what what a grifter Hunter and Joe Biden, you know, the grifters that they are. And as Tony Bobulinski said very clearly, he's compromised. And now when we see uh, the Biden administration cancel the sanctions on on Nord Stream 2 to let the Nord Stream 2 pipeline being built. Now we see China pressuring Taiwan. And you know, what kind of reaction are we getting out of the Biden administration? They, they, Russia, China, they know what they've got on Joe Biden. We don't have all the information. We just know that it was dangerous to elect right. this man. He was unfit for office before. He's unfit now, and he's proving it to America. Senator, when you decide, if you decide to run for a third term as senator from Wisconsin, how much of your decision will be weighted on the chances of winning back the majority? Because I know you in particular have been frustrated being the minority. It's frustrating by definition, but it's also very frustrating because you know what else is going on. How much of the possibility of winning back the majority would weigh into your decision? Well, I think it'd be crucial. And the fact that I would become chairman of the permanent subcommittee investigations, I didn't come here to investigate things. But in the six years that I did investigate, I started to uncover the corruption that is endemic in so much of government. I, I, I started calling it a deep state because it's the only thing I can describe it as. So, no, that, that would be a big incentive to be able to come back here in the majority, be chairman of the permanent subcommittee investigation and start being able to reveal the truth and you know, start peeling back the layers of the onion as best we can. But, Brian, it's tough. It's very, even when you have the president of the United States wanting to, to make things uh, unclassified, to, re, to unredact things. The agency still wouldn't do it for the President of the United States. So it's tough. The, there, there is a very deep state. It is pervasive and it's very deep. When would you make your decision? I've I still got a, a few months. Um, I've, I've got a lot of factors I'm, I'm thinking through. But uh, I, I, I do appreciate people's encouragement. All right. uh, yeah, you, you sound much more positive of late than you did a year ago. Well, I guess it's all the attacks. I, I must, I must be a masochist. I, I'm just enjoying <laughs> being attacked on a daily basis. Yeah, it's, but, you, uh, you, you do seem kind of used to it, Senator Ron Johnson. Thanks so much. Take care. Stay healthy. Yeah, I will. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Back with your calls. You're listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis. Because man, do you need to know? You're with Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Story circulating on the internet that, yeah. that you are dating our sports guy, Brian Kilmeade. Anything to that? Are you serious? That, of course, is uh, Steve at a junket talking to J-Lo, probably in... It was a while ago. 2000, whatever, 98. And she, she goes, where's that? She didn't, instead of saying, oh, that's, you know, thought it was a joke, she actually, oh, it's unbelievable. Is that true? No, I can't believe what they're saying. So she, if you listen to the end of it, it's even funnier 
because she actually thinks that there is a rumor out there. She just assumes it. Well, the rumor started by Steve saying it. Right. right? <laughs> and she was willing to buy into it. It makes me wonder if there's even more to know. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD. Desperation. A Democrat Terry McAuliffe enlists Taylor Swift fans uh, in Virginia's governor's race. Now, keep in mind, Terry McAuliffe was also caught on a call saying Joe Biden is not liked in Virginia, which is unbelievable. He won the state by 19 points. Now it looks like he's trying to say that Yunkin is a part of the group that sold Taylor Swift's library, right? I mean, you have to think he's really worried if that's the you know argument he's using and a tactic he's using for the election. The ad says, did you know that Republican candidate for governor Glenn Yunkin helped buy Taylor Swift's masters, master songs, from uh, under her when she was when he was co-CEO of the Carlisle Group? So... To me, I've never seen a poll which Youngkin was winning. She always seems to have a two-point lead, but there must be something internally that shows some panic. I mean, he is not a likable guy. I don't think he was a successful four-year, had a successful two terms there. Why he'd want to go back and do it again is beyond me. We'll see what happens. But if Youngkin wins, the Democrats are going to go full panic mode. Next, Mark Burnett and MGM Television present a Major League Soccer reality competition series in the works. I love this. Mark Burnett, uh, you know, he's the best reality TV guy ever of The Apprentice and of Survivor. He says a project which is currently in development will shed a spotlight on the journey of dozens of players from around the world as they compete for reacquaintance with, with the Charlotte. What does that mean? Reacquaintance. With the, that must be a British word. Charlotte, North Carolina-based team ahead of its debut season in 2022. So the MLS is expanding into Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte FC is owned by David Tepper and is part of Tepper Sports and Entertainment, which includes Bank of America Stadium and the Carolina Panthers. A lot of these NFL teams are buying other uh, uh, MLS teams. Do you think you would watch, or is this just for the soccer fan? Now, is this some? No, I think it'll be interesting because the players are going to live and train together. So it'll be like, I guess, a little Big Brother-esque. Don't you think I should host this? I mean, aren't you friends with Mark Burnett? Why hasn't he called you yet? Right. I mean, but I'm the soccer guy who knows reality. Who might have been dating J-Lo. Who might have been dating (laughs) J-Lo. We don't know. Next. Anthony Fauci's documentary drops at Disney. Uh, If you want to learn more about Fauci, it's simply Fauci. He cries and says he has PTSD. I mean, what do you say to that? Not watching. Hey, uh, go to BrianKillMe.com. Find out about my book tour. Also, find out how to get tickets to my live show. We have December 3rd in Point of Vedra, just at BrianKillMe.com. And then we have December 4th in Clearwater, Florida. And then on November uh, 7th, I'll be in Charlotte, West Virginia. And you'll find out the rest. BrianKillMe.com. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.